With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode 32. Let's roll, baby. And speaking of rolling, we got an outstanding show for you today. We have uh, we have a, a guest I've been trying to track down since really since I got in this space, uh, someone I respect a great deal. I'll probably just bring his ass right on out because y'all want to hear from him more than you want to hear from me. And I'll tell you what, um, you know, so a guy I've been paying attention to for a long period of time and and uh, probably doesn't get the the recognition that he deserves is is on the show tonight. Nate Liss joins me from the Breakout Finder. You can find Nate at an outraged Jew. Nate Liss, welcome to the show. What's going on, buddy? What's happening, man? Thank you very much for the intro. Very kind words. Uh, appreciate you bringing me on. It has been a while. We've been uh, going back and forth in the DMs for a long time trying to put this together. Uh, I'm rogue, man. It's difficult to reel me in. I mean, to be honest with you, this is, to my knowledge, only the third podcast that isn't a you know Roto Underworld affiliated podcast episode that I've ever gone on. So holy smurfied air. No, this is this makes me feel like a million bucks. I mean, <laughs> this is the greatest thing of all time. Then it's like it's like a, what what's like a rare bird? You take a picture of it, you know, you frame it. It's in the museum. This is it. This is that moment. This is the one. Yeah, I no, caught, I caught the uh, the the wing tailed fern sparrow or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> is that a bird? I don't think. It no, is. I made it up. Okay, yeah, good. Sounded legit though. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, Google it. It might exist. You know. <laughs> okay. So. Um, so Nate, you do you do a show with uh, obviously a pretty big uh, dynasty show. Certainly, uh, I don't know, I don't know the numbers of it, but I'm sure it, it rocks. And you do that show with Matt Kelly, and he's certainly a uh, divisive you know character out there. But you know, I've said it a million times. I think you settle that show in a way like you're just sort of the the yin yin to his yang. And I think you do an outstanding job. And you guys both, uh, you know, obviously rock the dynasty space, and you really know your shit. So I'm excited to sort of pick your brain and 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 have a lot of fun with you today. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a polarizing show at times. Um, it's been really successful. Clearly, Matt Kelly's a, a very popular analyst, and he's uh, you know he's the driving force oftentimes. But I appreciate it. I try to shoot my shots where I can. I'm I'm kind of Ray Allen, right? Like I'm I'm the Ray Allen of that offense. You know, just get me open outside. I'll pull a quick jumper. Yeah, you can't win without you is what you're saying. That's what I hear you too. Yeah, I mean, you know, LeBron wins nothing without Ray Allen in the corner, you know? Oh, here we go. I, we shouldn't start early with this. I, I mean, I'm I'm always ready to fight about Jordan and LeBron. We don't have to do it right now, but 
LeBron. Oh, no, let's is, do it. You yeah. actually think LeBron's the best player of all time? Is that is that yeah, what I'm hearing? Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah, LeBron is what do you mean there's no doubt? the best player of all time. Outside of points per game, outside of points per game, and, of course, the only thing that everybody ever leans on, which is titles, which is fair, I mean, that's that's the argument, right? And steals. Yeah, you can give Jordan steals because he averages, what, one more steal a game over his career. There's a lot about LeBron that never he's never given credit for. I mean, longevity up until this point in his career. Holy shit, the guy's, what, 36? He's playing as good as any 25-year-old in the league. And I realized that he played in an era where a lot of teams are making these super teams, right? LeBron's put some rosters together that have gotten him to some titles. He's also made his way to some NBA championship games with some god-awful teams and beaten some incredible teams with some rosters where he was very clearly the guy. Um, the thing about Jordan, though, man, I got, I got to say this. Why does it never come up that Jordan got bounced out of the playoffs seven times? Sure. Never I, I think up. that I think that's right. I mean, at the end of the day, Jordan was, uh, to me, he's the best player. And, and, and here's how I would, I would say that. First of all, in order to say that LeBron is better or that Jordan is better I you can't say that one or the other is not good that's like ridiculous so obviously you're splitting hairs you know um but but I think you know you know I always said just take every NBA player in the history of the league at their epic uber prime right like whatever age you want them to be line them up against the wall and I've got first pick I'm taking Michael Jordan (laughs) I think it's I think it's fair to take Jordan when you look at the you know the value of a replacement or any you know metric that's around now that identifies the value of you know their contribution per minute LeBron actually ranks higher than Jordan over the course of his career. Now everybody says that Jordan has a killer instinct, he clearly does. I think he pushed Byron Russell, that's fine. We all know that he did for that jumper to win that game. But his career was more iconic to me than LeBron's has been. I grew up in the Jordan era, okay? So for me, I, I would get up on Saturdays, you know, ABC or what, you know, whatever channel. I was watching the games. And it was incredible because game after game, you were waiting for Jordan to take that shot. You knew he was going to carry the team. Nobody could shut him down, even though he was the guy on the team. And conversely, that's the same thing with LeBron. Nobody shuts LeBron down. You know that that's the only guy you have to stop. What's been impressive about LeBron, though, is that he's developed the three, that he's found a way to guard every position. You see him guard the five all the way to the one. I don't remember seeing Jordan guard the five, maybe because he wasn't nearly as big as LeBron. I mean, LeBron is Carl Malone, but he moves like a guard, right? Yes. So it's 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 an incredible body type. We haven't seen anybody like this. Exactly. We may never see it again, right? Um, yes. But- I will give you that. I'll say that LeBron James is absolutely the most epic physical in position in any sport. I mean, like ever, like unbelievable. And he's got to be some sort of an alien or a robot. Cause he never gets hurt. Never misses time. I mean, the bald spots, the only evidence that he is human. <laughs> I, I think he got his hairline adjusted. I think that was pointed out like three years ago, the hairline came back down a little ways after people were insulting him for it. But yeah, I mean, he he's ageless. It, it hasn't hurt him. I know he's waiting. It sounds like for Bronny, his son, to come up to the league potentially so they can play together where he'll probably sign a one-year contract maybe to whatever roster he goes to. Um, but it's it's just incredible. I mean, I have a ton of respect for Jordan. And, you know, some of this is in jest when I say that LeBron is better because to me they're, they're neck and neck. It's one of the funnest arguments you can possibly have because Jordan's got the six-for-six six rings, right? That, that It's not just that he has more rings. right? It's the fact that he's – Every time he went to a title game, he finished it. And it never went seven games, right? Even more impressive. So with that being said, I also don't know that had Jordan coming out of the East 
run into Golden State in their prime, I don't know if you would have locked up those titles. I'm just telling you, those are. I, I think that's. I think that's a miss because let me let me just say, listen to this. He had to go through Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Isaiah Thomas, all these Hakeem Olajuwon, sure. Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing. I mean, he ended the careers and, and and like literally ended the 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 you know Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, Akeem Olajuwon, all these guys were like it's a, I can't even what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I'm the greatest player on the on the planet in any other generation except right now cuz I got to deal with this guy. And he just took the hearts of everybody. You know, and it, and yes, he was playing with inferior teams and you know, even even Bird when the, that loaded Celtics team was pushed to the brink by a young Jordan was like, it was just Jordan against this amazing super team. And they were like, yeah, he's pretty fucking good. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Like he was outstanding. So yes, you can't win without a good team. I and mean, we know that, you know, in almost any sport, certainly basketball, you can win a little bit more because it's, you know, if you have that apex predator, you can make it happen. But I think it's a futile argument, but it's really fun. Yeah, it's well, if you think about it, too, in my opinion, and clearly the East was tougher in Jordan's era than it was in LeBron's. True. I mean, the East has been weak for quite some time. You like know, you 20 got, years. It's been bad. OK, it's been bad. The Hawks were irrelevant for a long time. The Bucks without Giannis were irrelevant. I mean, we're past the days of Vin Baker and all these other guys. And, and you know, you look at it now and it's getting it's getting better. The East is literally pour one out for Vin Baker. <laughs> Yeah, literally. It's the days of Ray Allen. I mean, so I mean, pour one in for him, poor yeah, fella. It's, he can't it's drink over. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's way different than it used to be. With that being said, though, when you get to the end of the line, when you get to the NBA Finals, you've got seven games to finish a team off or less if it requires it. And so, irrespective of what you've done in the East or who you had to battle through, when you get to the end, it's that one team. And for me, even if the East was a shit show, which would have taxed LeBron harder on his way into the Finals. Running into Golden State, to me, is still one of the most impossible mountains to climb because you've got these guys that shoot from a distance that in Jordan's era, that wasn't a thing. It wasn't a thing. Steph Curry had already made, I think, more threes than Larry Bird and Magic Johnson combined by like year six in the league. Absolutely, yeah. So, no, they, there was a novelty when Bird was playing. I mean, he'd take one and be like, look at that, a three, like yeah. a dagger. You know, right. he'd go like, one for two and be like, boom, yeah, it's in like, your yeah, face. They're, they're pissed like, <laughs> God damn it, Bird, just bounce past to Robert Parrish. Let him lay it up and let's get the fuck back down the court and play D. It's, it's true. They packed it in on They me. did. I mean, yeah. so it's changed a lot. And I just think that I, we'll never be able to run the scenario and get to the see sim, it. sim, right. Exactly. I just think that the, the Draymond, the Clay – the Steph, the Igudala coming off the fucking bench or the starter at some period of his career there. Like it, it was such a difficult offense to defeat. And even with LeBron, who, if you look at his playoff numbers, they are, I mean, they take a step up from in season and Jordan's playoff numbers. Okay. Infallible. Ridiculous. Dude, infallible. Go back and look at the seven series <laughs> that I brought up that he got bounced from the playoffs. He averaged like fucking 40 points a game in some <laughs> right. of those. Yes. So, so, yeah. And, and, and wasn't taking too many shots. He was like 55% from yeah. the floor. It was like, yeah. he was just unbelievable. And look, that that's my thought with Jordan is like, he also had that crazy will to win. I think Kobe also had that just wasn't as good as Jordan, sure. but like Kobe had that maniacal craziness. Like for years we would, we would criticize LeBron and say, if only he had Kobe's will, he would be the greatest player of all time. And I think there's some truth to that. I think we're both dancing around the same thing, which is that clearly Jordan was just wired in a way that was superhuman. This, this sort of Muhammad Ali, Tiger Woods thing or whatever, you know, where he was just 
just wouldn't let himself ever give it up. And then LeBron, I mean, again, it's a different era where, you know, your brand matters, all these other things, and he seems distracted. I don't think he is. I think he's truly pretty close to Jordan in that way. But you got to admit, he's not quite on that level in terms of intensity and that sort of lunacy to be great. Uh, You know, I will agree in a lot of cases. I feel like Jordan did have the killer instinct 100% of the time. I feel like LeBron, certainly when his back is against the wall, when you go look no at doubt. him in elimination games or when his team is down or when, you know, series is getting close, like LeBron certainly is unstoppable in those cases. Yes. What gets pinned against LeBron a lot of times is the fact that he hasn't taken some of the last shots where like Jordan, Kobe, these guys, they wanted it at the end. And LeBron has certainly taken game winners, but I feel like LeBron also is a much better distributor than Jordan ever was, than no Kobe doubt. ever was. And so no doubt. That's always been that's always been my biggest argument with LeBron. It's like for fuck's sake, can we get him like a Tayshawn Prince on the outside that he can trust because he's throwing it to J.R. Smith? It, it, it's streakiest score ever. He's gonna throw. He's gonna score fifty or he's gonna score five. Like right, we right. don't know what he's gonna do. And it's like he, I know he's had Kyrie and obviously he's had you know, Wade and some of these other players that it was great and Ray Allen in those moments. But he's such a good passer that I think if you surround him with shooters, he, he'll kill you because you have to defend him entering the lane but he's such a good distributor that that he'll kill you. And I think he knows that he's such a good passer that he's going to draw that double team, that there's been those times where he's dished it out. The guys miss the shot and they go, why didn't LeBron take it? Why was it not you? You're, you're the man on this team. You're the one of the greatest of all time. Why don't you take the shot? And I think those moments stack up subconsciously for people. It, they, I, what game did, what, I think it's game- unfair. I agree with you. It's unfair because he's one of the greatest passers to ever play the game. For sure. Um, it, it, no question. Because not only is he and now, not only is he a great passer, but he's constantly uh, seeing double teams that other te- other players don't see, right? He's constantly seeing defensive coverages that literally they don't throw at anybody else because they don't need to. And with him, they're like, okay, we need to do every damn thing in our power to stop him from you know throwing the corner pass. And everything is thought about. He's still able to beat your ass. And yeah, he's an outstanding passer. I mean, he's just a great player. I, I can't take anything away from LeBron. I grew up a Boston Celtics fan, so I mm. wanted to hate both those players yeah. Yeah. and effectively did but you know I'm, I'm also not a moron so I can recognize greatness which they are I think they're one and two I mean you gotta it's hard because you got a guy like Bill Russell who has you know 11. literally 11 rings he has yeah. one for his dick you know he, yeah. he wears yeah, one for sure he needed that one to be a big size <laughs> like hey Slip make the last over. one a big one I'm gonna need some right yeah, so I mean sure. he's just unbelievable but he played in an era that was really you know I don't know it's just it's different you know I mean I don't he was as good as he needed to be in the moments he was in, right? Well, that's always my argument. You know, when when I'm in like a heated Jordan LeBron debate, I always go when they bring up the rings, when they lean on the rings, I go, then is Bill Russell the greatest of all time? Because he's got twice as many as Jordan does. Right. And and, and then it comes up, it's like, well, it was the era and it was this and it was that. And you know, I, again, it's there's no there's no end to this debate. I think that if you grew up, I'm the anomaly, right? Because I'm I'm almost 40. You know, don't tell Mike that. I'm almost 40. And I grew up in the Jordan era, but I'm more of a LeBron fan. Like I was, I gravitated towards him more, you know, Jordan coming out of college, obviously highly touted player. I live near Portland, Oregon. Clearly there's regret there with what the Blazers did with their selection of Sam Bowie, (laughs) you know, forever. I mean, again, Portland, Portland did it. What 20 years later when they selected Greg Oden over Kevin Durant. So like Portland's got this, you know, it's, it's, Hey, that's a dynasty move. Draft for need, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not the best player available. Draft the need. So, yeah. I mean, we've watched it happen time and time again. But, I mean, these are two These are two of the greatest players of all time. You know, I, I wouldn't be upset if one person felt one way over the other. But uh, 
People are literally right now looking at their their device, going, "Is this the right fucking podcast? Is this what a the fucking fuck basketball going, podcast? What the fuck is going on? This asshole be. comes on. He's can't. Ha- he's on three. No wonder he's on only three podcasts. He storms a podcast, <laughs> a dynasty show, starts talking about how good LeBron is. I mean, talking ridiculous. basketball, man. No, I love it. I, actually, it was funny too because I don't even think we talked about it at all ever, like in a DM or nothing. But I think I heard you talk somewhere around about LeBron. I'm like, oh shit, I'd love to tangle horns with Liss over this fucking Jordan situation. But yeah, I, I let you off easy. I'll be honest. But, okay, you know, all right. But here's here's someone who el- who also got off easy. Uh, Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. Sam Darnold got off easy. I mean, he is now. I mean, did you hear he threw a party after he got traded? He was like, <laughs> he had like Morocco's and everything. He was fucking pumped up. He's out of the Jets organization. I think it's good for him. Um, I have some questions. You know, I, I don't think it's pretty hard to understand from the Jets' point of view. I and I don't think it's necessarily that hard from the Carolina point of view. But what are your thoughts here? What do you think happens going forward? Because I think I I think I've got a feeling. I'm curious to see if you you agree. So, what are you thinking here? Well, I mean, I think that you know Bridgewater was. We knew that Bridgewater wasn't going to be the saving grace. I mean, I think when he went here to Carolina, signed a three-year contract with this team, obviously an accurate quarterback. We knew this. This was one of the things that we talked about on our show was that kind of the way that Jimmy Garoppolo was able to turn Debo Samuel and George Kittle into these monster yards after the catch guys. I think that was the expectation with Teddy Bridgewater. It wasn't that Teddy Bridgewater was going to be asked to throw the ball 625 times a year. That's never going to happen. The goal was put a smart accurate quarterback in a position and surround him with weapons like Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, put the ball accurately in front of them in stride and let them make plays after the catch. Carolina though, you know, on the other hand, this is a team that, you know, has had the injuries. Uh, protection was good for Teddy Bridgewater, but I just personally don't think that he's a good fit here. I also don't think that Darnold's a good fit here. I think neither guy is the answer in Carolina. It's really crazy to me that this happened because we're entering a draft class and I don't know your thoughts on this draft class quite yet, but we've got five quarterbacks and I, to be honest with you, I really like all of them. I, you know, I've got a reason to like every one of them from an NFL perspective, from a fantasy football perspective. And I'm still curious to see, you know, what happens with Carolina um, in this draft, what they do, because they really do have a, you know, a solid offensive line. And you would think that would be the answer, but we've let, you know, Curtis Samuel go, (laughs) We've got um, DJ Moore with – I'm spacing on the name here. Why am I spacing on the other wide receiver right now? Robbie okay. Anderson. Robbie, Yeah, there we go. Robbie Anderson. Gangster Jeez, Anderson. Yeah, Gangster Anderson. So you've got these two weapons, and I think the team is going to be good going forward. Darnold, for me, in Dynasty, I'm still really hands-off because it's a rarity that a quarterback, a guy like him whose career hasn't developed to the point you would have hoped, a lot of that's on the Jets organization, stepping into a new situation now is the backup. I mean – we saw Josh Rosen get dealt not too long ago in a similar situation with similar, you know, level of picks that never manifested. But for some reason, there's this unwavering hope amongst dynasty players that Sam Darnold is the answer. I don't really think he is. It's fair. It's fair. I mean, look, there's no reason to believe he's quote unquote the answer. I do think though, that that's the direction they're going in. Something that kind of strikes me though. What did they have? The eighth pick? I think they have the eighth pick. Um, You'd think they'd wait uh, to kind of see what the hell happens in this yeah. draft. And like, what if Justin Fields just slips to him, you know, or something like that? It's like, 
I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know what'll happen, but maybe they just have so much word that of what's going to happen. Also, you know, I heard Mike Lombardi talking uh, on his pod. And he's like, you know, a second and a fourth next year is not that much draft capital. They gave up a six this year, like just to get him in the building. Now they have Bridgewater and, and Darnold. They can always deal Bridgewater. They could still make a move for a, a quarterback, I guess. Um, I guess it doesn't preclude them from doing that. But I think if I'm reading, we call them the Silva leaves here at the Undrafted uh, because, you know, Evan Silva always sees it coming like he sure. did with Fournette getting released. So ah. we don't call them tea leaves anymore. That's right, yeah. Um, but reading those Silva leaves, I think they're basically um, going to – I think they're going to – I think Sam Darnold leads that team and starts it, this year. Would you agree with that? I mean, I don't think it's crazy. I guess the question is why, why is Teddy Bridgewater – you know, not the option. If the, the question is, do they, do they want the offense to go another direction? Do they need it to be more explosive, more of a downfield passing game? Are they trying to get away from an Alex Smith type offense? It's sort of dink and dunk, but accurate. They want a guy that's a little riskier. Well, Sam Darnold's clearly your guy. No, no doubt. Right. If, if you're trying yeah. to get those explosive plays, but then again, if that was me, I would have tried to retain a guy like Curtis Samuel in an offense like that, because there's few players in the league who were developing like he was, that can do what he can do. But again, I don't think they could have matched that money. What I'm curious about, though, is, I mean, is it improbable that Darnold still gets dealt in this draft? I mean, right? Like, is it? I suppose it's not. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I, I think we would probably agree. I would be shocked if the fifth quarterback on the board is still there past. I mean, it's not getting past Denver, right? I don't Correct. think they're not getting past Denver at nine. So, the last quarterback on the board would essentially have to cross Carolina to get to Denver. So they would be in an interesting situation there um, with a guy like Darnold. Maybe there's a team that still likes him that would trade, you know, maybe it's Pittsburgh would trade number 24 for Darnold. I don't know. Like there's any number of options that could take place from a dynasty standpoint. You look at Bridgewater, you look at Darnold, you feel like, Jesus Christ, so I have to roster both of these guys because I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I think I'm with you. I think Darnold probably gets more starts, but I think that that hinges on the fact that Teddy Bridgewater underwhelms. I think if Bridgewater's playing well, I think we see Darnold sort of wait a little bit because Bridgewater still got time on his contract. He was still <clears throat> good last year. But again, I think the question is, what do they want to do with this offense? I mean, I think Bridgewater is the ultimate bridge quarterback too. I mean, sure. you know, we, we know he's not going to like submarine your team, but we also basically have enough evidence that that's probably not going to win you anything either. Like he's just not going to lose. He's not going to win. He's just going to kind of, you know, steady the ship, um, you know, and, and I don't know that that's what they want. <clears throat> I saw, I don't remember if it was Tepper or rule. I don't remember who said it. Some I, I might've been the GM. I, I'm sorry. I don't remember the quote, but it was, um, they said, we're going to find Teddy's place, you know, something like whether it's here or somewhere else. And I was like, Whoa, the hell does that mean? Like yeah. it kind of, you know, I don't know if it was taken out of context. I was reading an article real quick. I didn't hear the, I didn't hear the soundbite, but <clears throat> I think the, that's where the, the, the sort of the leaves are, are telling me that I think they may trade Bridgewater someplace. There was talk about Bridgewater going to Denver, and I, I don't know if that was for Locke. I don't know what the hell that was all about, God. right? I mean, Jesus yeah. Christ. But, you know, like these teams are just like handing, you know, bags of turd back and forth what? to each other and like pretending it's going to help them. But, yeah, I think I think that they're going to move on from Bridgewater. I don't know that – I just don't know. I just think that they're thinking either Darnold or some sort of draft pick – I just I, they they've got to find a better solution than that. I mean, they just have to. It's a, no matter which way they go, whether Bridgewater or Darnold, 
it's mediocrity at best, I guess, right? Yeah. Well, the, the question too <laughs> is you're you're essentially taking a complete risk with Darnold. Darnold's never been a part of this organization. He has no, you know, uh, affiliation or, you know, previous chemistry with anybody on this roster, to my knowledge. He's stepping into a brand new situation. Again, coming out of a situation that was completely fucked. I mean, it yeah. was it was bad, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you look at guys like Joey Harrington. Those guys didn't come back from that. And his situation was obviously significantly worse. But the Jets have been one of the worst organizations in the league. I mean, I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if one of these two quarterbacks wasn't on this roster come the end of the first round. Like, it wouldn't shock me in the least if Carolina's like, we need to bolster the secondary. Hey, we're sitting at pick, you know, 27. Let's make a swap or let's whatever. Because I think, like you said, you're you're probably going to have mediocrity either way. But at least, you know, with Darnold, he's going to push the ball. He's going to take risks. And I think if you're a team that's going to be mediocre, I'd rather win and lose on the shoulders of a guy that can make big plays and can put me in different situations. Teddy's just so conservative, so dink and dunk that you just know you're not going to win that way. It's like kicking field goals, right? You're just not going to win that way. And when you get a guy like Christian McCaffrey back in the fold, I mean, my God, that's going to open everything back up. So with that being said, again, I, I think either way, I think if Bridgewater got traded, sure. I, I wouldn't want Locke. And I don't think, obviously, the Locke thing was prior to the, the Darnold trade, I'm assuming. But <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, Drew Locke is <clears> – <throat> I remember people telling me that Drew Locke was going to be this stud quarterback coming out of the second round. And I know people hate looking at history. I, I use history often. I mean, it's data, right? History is right. data one way or another. And the best second-round quarterback of all time is Drew Brees. There's no doubt yes. about it. And it's like yep. – the other second round quarterbacks, correct me if I'm wrong, it's like like Derek Carr, Kyle Orton, yep. like there's nobody. It's a fucking wasteland, right? <laughs> yes. And like the, every team's done its evaluations. It's not you're not going to pull a Tom Brady. You're not going to right. Like these are the ultimate rarity. It does not happen. Like Jordan Brady just had that will to win. It was in him. Nobody knew it when he got his opportunity. It was unleashed and it never got put back in the bottle. Um, you know the one the one the one guy he does have a little bit of rapport with Darnold is Robbie Anderson who's a downfield player. And if you have Christian McCaffrey, so maybe, maybe Darnold's, I mean, excuse me, Robbie Anderson's a buy, you know, um, with Christian McCaffrey coming back. I mean, that's one thing that Teddy wasn't afforded. Obviously that team, I mean, you, it's funny. I mean, it's a ridiculous take, but like if you're playing Madden and I'm playing against you and you're like, yeah, just take McCaffrey out. You'd be like, what the fuck dude? I mean, you know, like it, it is a big deal. Like he is a difference maker, especially at the running back position because he's essentially also a wide receiver. He's explosive. I mean, he makes big plays, you know, all over the place. You know, if you give Darnold that plus, you know, a little bit more of the down the field threat, it could really open up. I, I'm curious to see if they add another weapon. As you point out, they did lose Curtis Samuel. Uh, this team is very interesting to me because of, you know, the structural uh, integrity of the uh, of the organization. I think the, the, the coaching has a little bit of forward thinking. This could be a resurrection for Sam Darnold. I'm not ruling it out, is I guess what I'm saying. I'm not betting on it specifically, but I think Darnold's a good buy low. I think he's been a great buy low. I think he's still an okay buy low. Because I think a lot of people may feel still hesitant and may look at this as a sell opportunity, especially in Superflex. Obviously, in one quarterback, you don't need Darnold. I literally dropped Darnold in a one quarterback league. What the mm-hmm. f- you know? Come on, get the hell out of here. Yeah. But Superflex is obviously what we're talking about. You know, speaking of fragile players, you know, I I got to tell you, you know, Nate, I've I've been asking this all off season. So I go back since you know, for a long time this off season, I almost asked every single guest, "What are you doing?" with James Robinson Hmm. because, you know, he's sort of the poster boy for this question, which the question is kind of like, who are some of the fragile players 
or, or who are some of the players that would be fragile at this particular point? Because if in fact a team drafted player X, right? You know, if, if, uh, it, it, you know, last year, the, the, the case in point would be like Marlon Mack obviously was like, Hey, yeah, he's going to be the starting running back in it. Oh, Jonathan Taylor. Fuck. Yeah. You know, carry on Johnson. Yeah, man. Carry on Johnson. I trade a first round. Pick. Oh shit. DeAndre Swift. Right. So like, those types of players just get eviscerated immediately and they just get backburnered. Obviously, Mac hurt himself too. God bless him. But you get my point. There's a number of those guys. And and right now, I think the sneaky one is James Robinson. And here's my point. He was awesome. Like, I think he was second in the league out of rookies with, you know, 10 plus yard runs. Like he was, you know, the highest usage rate of any player in the last like 10 years. I mean, everything was great. On a shitty team, he performed admirably. I love the player. Uh, but he is an undrafted free agent. It is a, a new general manager, new coach. They have copious amounts of draft picks. So my point was this new organization, they're going to take Trevor Lawrence one. They've got the 24th pick. Then they're going to, then they have the first pick of the second round. I think then they have like the 11th pick of the second round. Yeah. And then they have other, you know, more picks like two thirds or something. So, they could very easily push the button for a Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, or even a Javante Williams or someone like that in those top four picks that are in the top 45 picks. They have like four. Um, if that happens, James Robinson is is in trouble a little bit, dynasty-wise. Um, do you think that it's possible they, 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 they pick a running back and how have you been treating James Robinson this offseason in Dynasty? I mean, I think you know how I've been treating James Robinson in Dynasty. I, I've certainly been in the forefront all year of saying this is what happens to undrafted free agents. And I hope everybody listening that's got James Robinson is clutching their pearls right now, saying a prayer across draft night, you know, all days because God forbid they draft somebody. But like you said, they have four picks inside the top 45. I think from what I'm hearing now, Travis Etienne and Najee Harris are probably going to be in the first round. So to take one of those guys, you're probably looking at them swinging at pick 25. Um, I think Travis Etienne would be a pretty rad fit here uh, if it was possible. You know, they added they added Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde's clearly not the answer, without a doubt, not an answer to this offense. And I don't think for J. Rob owners, Carlos Hyde signing there should be the reason that you can you know take a, a calm breath. Like that didn't solve your problem, right? So no. He was the most obvious candidate. And I think if it's going to happen, it's either going to happen at 25 or like you said, I could see top around three. Javante Williams could be the guy right there. You mean um, two, top around two. Sorry, top around two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick 33. So I think he could be the guy there. They seem like they are destined to select somebody in that group. I've also heard the Steelers, for that matter, could select one of these guys as well. You got the James Conner situation going on for whatever that is. I don't know what he's doing. Me um, so very odd. But Nonetheless, I, zero, zero shares, zero cares. You know yeah, what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. And I had James Robinson. I actually ended up trading James Robinson in season for Derrick Henry, Whew. which was a, in a dynasty league, which was a shocker that anybody was willing to make that deal. And the thing was, my biggest argument was not that I don't think James Robinson is good because very clearly by the metrics, it's obviously good. Yeah. Despite a, a team that was atrocious around him for the most part. He was incredibly good amongst all odds. The fact of the matter was anybody who had James Robinson either got him off the waiver wire or didn't use Dick for picks to get him, right? It didn't Dick cost you picks. It, right, it didn't that's cost that's you the show name, by the like, way. Dick for picks. It didn't cost you anything. So it was like, right. dude, cash the fuck in already. Like that yeah. was my thing, right? I'm always... I, my biggest thing is just trying to constantly be competitive and churn value, right? I mean, yes. that's the hardest Bingo. part of Dynasty. Yes. J-Rob, though, it would not surprise me 
if they decided to go into the season with this offense that they have and not select another running back until round three or something like that and take their chances on a gain well or on, you know, Trey Sermon is one of these guys that's hanging around, right? That's a talented back. And and here's the point, Nate. If they take Gainwell or Sermon or even Kylan Hill or someone like that in like the fourth or fifth round, that player will have more attachment to this front office and coaching staff and more draft capital than James Robinson. I'm not saying they'll be better than him, but them's the facts. Yeah. There's no, I've said this a billion times, Jacksonville has no allegiance to James Robinson. There's none. Sadly. Yeah. And even less now with all the changes that have taken place. He's not part of this regime. So uh, people always, people always talk shit when when you say this because they're like, what does he have to do? Why do you hate James Robinson? Right. Why do you hate James? No, I don't fucking, that's not what the fuck this is about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, We've (laughs) we've since passed that point where he was a value. He's no longer a value. Now, now if you try to sell him. He's a value to sell. Yes. Yeah. That's where his value is. Yeah. Now people are like, like to me, if you try to sell me James Robinson, I'd be like, whoa, 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 bro. Pump the brakes. (laughs) You're not going to get what you would have gotten in week seven last year for him. Number one. And now I'm concerned uh, for me, I'd be like, well, you know what? Fuck it. Let's wait through the draft and then see, you know, yeah. and as we approach it, if there's a little bit of, you know, if there's some smoke building, maybe I reapproach the James Robinson owner. If I, if I believe in Robinson and go, Hey, look, sounds like Jacksonville is going to take a guy. This is your last chance. Look, I'll give you a, a 2022 second for him or something, right? Like rather than that high first that they want and make that swap if you believe in him, but you do have to be concerned about James Robinson. So here's a here's here's one in Dynasty. Yeah. Joe Mixon yeah. or James Robinson. I mean Joe Mixon, right? That's not Yeah, uh, of course. That's, that's I'm very, with you 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that are people having that debate? I I dude, Joe Mixon like is not favorable in Dynasty circle. I mean, I I think Joe Mixon is a, a screaming buy right now. I mean, Right. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, Joe Mixon, number one, is has dealt with the, the most dog shit organization, offensive line, quarterback play, pretty much his right. whole career. Look, they extended the guy because he. This is another guy that had had a character issue coming out of college. They took a chance on him when they selected him. Right. The owner. There's a backstory. Uh, is it Mike Brown? Right. Uh, uh, I think that's yeah. right. Uh, yeah. You know, that's the backstory is that they they really believed in this guy. They wanted to help him revitalize his career. Mm-hmm. And he sold himself out for the organization, became the player that they wanted. He got extended. He's been the guy there. They totally believed in him. I believe they were going to extend him. The problem with with Mixon is the is the weirdest touchdown discrepancy you've ever seen. The guy scores no fucking touchdowns. That's the problem with, with him. You look at his per game averages. He's had a thousand yards back to back a couple times in there. You know, he's exceeded 50 targets once in his career. It's the fucking touchdowns. Like the guy literally, I think I looked up this stat before he's got 20 touchdowns in 50 games. Derrick Henry's got like a thousand touchdowns, right? So <laughs> I think it is a thousand. I'm going to check. I will fact check we, that. Mike, will you check that? The, yeah. Check the, that. Would you? The big, the big issue though, is that that's really what's been missing. I mean, outside of offensive line and quarterback, the, uh, the obvious things is that he's just missing those, those, those extra touchdowns mm-hmm. where it would boost his scoring because he's still averaging a nominal amount of fantasy production, but I've seen him slide down boards. I mean, he, for most people, he's right at about, RB 14, 15, 16. I mean, you, you do That's dynasty rankings that right where you have yeah. them. So yeah, you're right. I mean, I have, I have, uh, I have Joe Mixon, you know, without the rookies this year at like uh, uh, RB 16, which I actually, I want to move him up, but you know, he's like right there with like Javante Williams and Clyde Edwards Hilaire and, you know, uh, ahead of James Robinson. I mean, you know, um, so right in that ballpark, I think you're right. So, and, and that seems about right. Because when you think about, 
players. Okay, here, here would be a better dichotomy. So we were talking about James Robinson versus Joe Mixon. I think that that question is makes less sense than me asking you, Joe Mixon or Ezekiel Elliott. Mm. Yeah, that's a fair question. That's a tough one. I do have Ezekiel Elliott ahead of him, um, but I I see your point, right? Um, you know, but I think that they're probably closer in age than we think. I think so uh, Zeke apart. is like one year older, Zeke. Yeah, 25, 24, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, without looking, I know their ages just because, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, I'm a wizard. Yeah, you do but this for other, living, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is what we do. But I mean, honestly, you know, they're, they're, they're one year apart. I mean, I think Zeke has a huge season on the horizon potentially, right? I mean, so if you're factoring one year performance, I, I'm definitely taking Zeke in a redraft league ahead of Mixon. And, you know, so I, I think it's I think it's Zeke, um, but uh, but yeah, I think Mixon is is climbing up there, and that's kind of the point. I mean, I suppose if you could trade Zeke for Mixon plus, that's probably a trade that you should be thinking about doing. That's the answer. I mean, we're still we're still very clearly in Ezekiel Elliott's prime, right? So he's probably got if 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 he's got a career arc of your typical stud running back, he'll play till. 27, 28, and, and about that point, it's over. But again, and I brought this up on other shows, you look at Ezekiel Elliott during what the other, Wait, hold on. What other shows? This well, is, my, I thought you said my, you only my did own three. Shows, what, you told me that, oh, okay, okay. All right. I, only, I, I thought like you were, to pay compliments. I thought you were, okay, I just thought you were leading me on there. For I always lie my way three into a show. show. Thing. I, what's your number again, you told me? <laughs> I said three, but you know, it's actually one. Um, <laughs> but when you look at, when you look at Zeke in his time with Dak Prescott last season, those were his biggest games. He finishes the RB3, the RB7, yeah. the RB13, 15, 4. Right. So then he loses Dak. That whole fucking team fell apart, right? Like, right. And, and it was funny because I heard people say, oh, you know, he, he got the money. He got lazy. He wasn't stringing it together. The opportunity was still there. And in a 17-game season, my big contention has been I want to own Tony Pollard. It's already been a guy that's averaged over 100 touches a year. I think back-to-back years now. You go into 17 games. Zeke's got the big contract. He's the guy. I think you're going to see a guy like Tony Pollard start to become a viable option. Almost, I mean, you can quote me on this. I think we might see an Arian Foster, Ben Tate type situation out of these two. Oh. You could have two plus thousand yard players, scrimmage yard. And Zeke should have a resurgence. So if I'm picking between the two, I'm very clearly taking Zeke. The difference to me is the one year. But then yeah. again, we never know if a guy's going to tear an ACL or when his career is going to derail. I always have this debate on the sonic truth. And it's like, we're, we're button heads over one, fu- over seven fucking months. And it's like, <laughs> right. it's like he's seven months younger. And it's like, dude, he might, he might decide, fuck it, I'm quitting football. Or his career may just taper off like Todd Gurley much right. earlier than some of these other running backs, Adrian Peterson, you know, Le'Veon right. Bell. Right, exactly. Bingo. Yeah. And nobody fucking knows, right? You can't set right. your watch to when a guy's going to taper off. So with that That's being right. said, Zeke has a lot to offer. He looks slim too, which might be a good thing. Yeah, yeah. There was a there's a couple of James Harden pictures of him that are a little bit uh, disconcerting <laughs> over the years. Um, uh, but, you know, I think he's, yeah, you're welcome. Um, but, you know, hey, Nate, tell me some other some other players that you'd be a little weary of. I've, I I made a little list, but I'd, I'd love to hear yeah. if you, I don't know if you, you know, you probably didn't look at the show sheet or consider anything I asked you before the show, but off the top of your head, uh, I'm joking, uh, give, give me some guys that you might think that are, you know, probably sell nows um, just in case uh, the draft, comes and bites them. Yeah. I mean, I think we're getting a little, 
a little long with some of these names. It should have been obvious to me. Okay. Here's my big thing when it comes to guys that are objectively, you know, fragile players. They're, they're either the average players, they're the aged former talents, or they're players on a final year of a deal. Those are the guys to me that become the most fragile, right? Right. And I think when we talk about the running backs, people are lucky that the depth of this class is not great. And Correct. when it goes beyond the top three, none of them are like big feature running backs. So there's not yep. that fear of a James Robinson stepping in, right? So Antonio Gibson yeah, and all these. Yes, guys, yeah. They, yes. Right. Antonio Gibson was one of these guys that, you know, was a sneaky steal, right? Like, you know, we didn't see him, but he profiled as an alpha, yes. you know? So it was like, you know, who else is behind the top three in that, in that mold? I don't know. Chuba, not very many. Maybe, maybe Chuba. A little think, undersized. Yeah, we're we're concerned about him. That's for sure. Yeah. But that's about it. After that, I mean, Jamar Jefferson, maybe. But yeah. I don't know if he gets the draft capital to be considered that way. Like, there's really nothing, right? Gainwell's dope, but he's a little undersized. Right, yeah. exactly. You're right on so the So there's no, there's no real negative there. But to me, the guys that seem obvious are guys like Melvin Gordon, right? So Philip Lindsay not coming back to the Broncos. You know, they backed him up with Mike Boone. Um, but I think Mike Boone has an out in 2022. It's a $800,000 dead cap hit. Melvin Gordon's on the final year of his deal. This seems like a team that it wouldn't shock me if somehow they ended up with somebody in the offense. This is a great answer. It's on my list too. Melvin Gordon, yeah. bingo. Absolutely. It could easily happen. You can see it happening. It may not be complete evisceration this year, but it could be just annoyingly, like it could be a Kylan Hill situation where it's like, ah, the, you know, I'm making this up, but well, you know, yeah, Chuba Hubbard, someone like that, right? Well, Denver's picking at 40. What if Denver decides to slide up to pick 33 Javante. with Jacksonville and take Javante Williams? I mean, it's entirely yep. possible. They've yep. they've got the ability to do it, so um, it, it wouldn't shock me. They're certainly not ruled right. out. So for me, Melvin Gordon was an obvious name, um, especially you should have sold Melvin Gordon when he signed that deal in Denver initially because he was already paired up with Philip Lindsay. I, I realize it makes it a tough sell, but when he began to get the lion's share of the work, that's when it was like, look, I, you have to get out from underneath these running backs. Their careers yeah. are too short. Gordon was clearly one of those guys for me. Um, another one is, is miles Gaskin. He yes. seems like we're running into the James Robinson situation all over again. And it's the team with the next most draft capital. Like he is, Almost to me, a no doubter to get replaced. Um, I know we keep talking. There's only three running backs in this class that I really have an affinity for. Uh, you could argue there's as many as five quality running backs, maybe six. But right. boy, Miami's got a shitload of picks. Yep. And yeah, that they guy's do. You know, it's funny because you say Miles Gaskin. I'm in a bunch of leagues. Obviously, I'm a degenerate like you are. And and uh, I, I I rostered Miles Gaskin in a ton of leagues last year, and he helped me. I mean, it was it was great. And this offseason, I basically put him on the block in every league I'm in. And I I would just shotgun you know second rounders or tell people, hey, any any second rounder gets him. And I've sold him exactly zero times for those second rounds. Right. Uh, nobody really wants to pay a 21 second. <laughs> For Miles Gaskin, in my experience, um, maybe they just don't like me, you know. But um, which is entirely <laughs> I mean, possible. It's possible. It's yeah. definitely probable. But uh, but but seriously, you know, um, I, I I so you're not selling them for a third. That's stupid. Fuck, get out of here. You know, I'm not selling Miles Gaskin, a potential starter in 2021, for a third. So he he may be a hold. I look at some of these guys and I'm like, you know, they just might be holds. Um, you know, your your favorite player. Um, you know, the, the starting running back in Arizona, Chase Edmonds, who I know you love. Uh, <laughs> God. Yeah, this is right. I mean, I, I, I stand, I've, I haven't been wrong yet. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't bit me in the ass yet. That's right. I'm me. still waiting. That's, 
That's, that's yeah. right. It might happen this year. Yeah. And and honestly, I swear to God, I do these mock drafts. We're going to do a mock draft show, by the way. you got to check it out. But, All right. Um, I do these mock drafts, and I get to that pick. I think there's 16. And it's like every single time I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, Najee's there, ATN's there. And it's kind of like the top 15 players are off the board. And there's some still some good talent for sure uh, in the draft. But it's like I, I, they may feel tempted to just push the button for one of those two backs right there. Maybe they move back a few spots and grab them, but I don't know, man, that, that's a, that's a possibility for sure. I know they have other needs, but again, these, these GMs can't help themselves sometimes. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, you know, it's funny because Cliff Kingsbury, he has, he has, you know, I can't even think of a, a phrase here with, uh, with Chase Edmonds, he's constantly pumped him up and then never yes. fulfilled the, you know, the sweet nothings that he whispers in his ear. You know, he's, he's always saying, Oh, uh, he could be a starting running back in this league, and then they fucking go and get Kenyon Drake, or they bury him behind David Johnson, or like he his opportunities never come. But with that being said, why would it? He's two hundred and five pounds. He's five nine. He's from a school nobody's ever heard of, and he's twenty five years old now, and he hasn't done shit except like what one good football game ever. I, I hey, mean, I'm from the Northeast. I I take exception at you oh, throwing Fordham under the rocks Sorry, like that. Man. I mean. No, that was that really hurt, man. Yeah. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Nobody knows where it is, but that's fine. You know where it is. I don't even know where it is. Just so you know, <laughs> I've heard of it. Saying. I still don't know where the fuck it is. It's <laughs> like, yeah, of course not. It's, it's so I'm not, I've never been. Nobody's even ever been to Fordham. Right. That's actually a true, it's a fake college. It's, is it, it's yeah, an internet absolutely. school, right? That's yes, what it actually absolutely. is. Absolutely. It's online only. It's, yeah, it's like uh, Arizona, Phoenix, or whatever it is. So <laughs> yeah. it's, when I look at Chase Edmonds, it's like he doesn't fit the archetype of of a running back that you chase in fantasy football anyway. So there can only be one Aaron Jones. So right. with Chase Edmonds, he's afforded the opportunity of what looks to be a fantastic offense in Arizona this year. But by all accounts, even if he is the guy this year, he'll then be 26 next year. I mean, we're already walking. He's already at what should be the apex of his career. So yeah. there's not that much time left. And there's still a great chance that Arizona adds depth because – there's yeah. still nothing behind him. They need Correct. something. Yeah, I wouldn't go out to best case scenario on Chase Edmonds. I did purchase him uh, a, a, an opportunity with uh, with him for late second in this draft. I think on a, on a, on a specific, uh, uh, I think it was a non superflex team, if I remember. I don't remember. I'm in a lot of leagues, but I thought that was good value. I think I would I would pay that for Chase Edmonds just for the upside in that offense. Um, you know, I think. Miles Gaskin, probably also a good buy for a second. I thought I would have sold him and maybe regretted that one, but to no avail. But let's let's move on. I, you know, this is you're the perfect person to sort of talk about this with. You know, I got to thinking, and you know, I've been doing Dynasty now for I don't know six years or seven years. Not not too long. I've been playing fantasy for a long time, but Dynasty's relatively new for me. And um, you know, whatever seven years is a long time, but um, but. I started to sort of evaluate players maybe five, six years ago in a way that was like, you know, uh, could be quantified, you know, had rankings, et cetera. Right. And so really the last four years or so more seriously. And I started to think about where, if I could freeze time at this, on this day every year where I would have had players, um, you know, ranked. And if I could rank them amongst each other, where would I have guys like Najee Harris? Right. And, you know, Najee Harris, ETN, and Javante are, t- are clearly the top three for me. But I, for me, they don't, they're not above any of the guys like coming out like uh, CMC, Fournette, Cook, maybe not even Mixon. I'm not sure right around there. Um, I, I certainly don't have them ahead of Dobbins, Akers, JT, or Swift. Like, I don't know, man. You know, 
do you disagree or what do you think about what I'm what I'm what I'm spitting here? Well, it's tough because you think about a guy like Dobbins. Dobbins wasn't really, you know, hailed as this big time pass catcher. I think if Dobbins was in this draft class, you might have a hard time ranking him over ETN. I think that that may be difficult. If you had the two side by side and we started to get critical about their profiles. I mean, Dobbins clearly could carry the load. I mean, that guy had multiple 30 carry games. He was incredibly durable. Um, the pass catching was clearly there. Unfortunately, he landed in an offense where he'll never be used as a pass catcher. Don't um, don't piss me off, Nate. Listen, man, I've got I've got a um, whole true. take on Lamar Jackson and how Marquise Brown's not going to do. Anything By the way, this I've year. quoted that take. I've quoted that take because it was a great take about Thanks, him. You know, it was a great take about him targeting the running backs. And you know, you're right about that. So I was just playing around. You're 100 yeah, percent right it. about Dobbins' upside. It's 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 unfortunate, man. But in PPR, Correct. it matters more than people think. I think when you look at this. When you look at this group, like if I had to re-rank this group, I think for me, the guys that I would have ahead of Najee and ETM would have been JT, would have been Akers, would have been Swift. Uh, just knowing what we know today about these guys without draft capital, then it would have been them. I probably would have had Dobbins after those two. Clyde Edwards would have clearly been behind them. And I probably would have had Javante probably right somewhere near Clyde for me in that to me, Javante is basically David Montgomery. So they would have been side by yep. side as well. I mean, it's the same fucking player, right? Yep. No, um, I don't disagree. Yeah. So I, I think that's the case. But you know, if you take it back further to the draft class that you were mentioning with, you know, Cook, Kamara, you know, Christian McCaffrey, all these guys, I mean, that was the greatest running back class I've ever seen. Was Mixon in that class at the same time? He was Mixon, yeah. Kamara, yeah. and Aaron Jones, and Eckler was undrafted. Yeah, and Eckler. I mean, it's so it's it's just crazy to see you know all these guys. I don't know that I would have ranked them above that, but you look at the evolution of many of those guys' careers. They weren't the same player year one that they were year two, and what they've become. So I think with these guys like Acres, I'm sure you're a huge fan of Acres. He feels like yes. This- like he could be the guy of all these guys. Like he could outscore JT and it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. Like he's very much a, a potential thing that could happen, but freezing time. I think Najee and ETN are for me, if we're comparing to last year, only behind JT acres and Swift and Dobbins would be close, but he would follow those two guys up for me. So I, it doesn't matter quite as much like the age, but the, you know, coming out as a junior or coming out as a senior, you know, the, the I feel like obviously you could argue that ETN hurt himself a little bit. Chuba killed himself and Najee probably benefited obviously. Cause I think, you know, last year I, I had Najee, Chuba and ETN all in that sort of, I, I thought this was, I thought that last year was going to be the best running back class I had ever seen because of, you know, uh, obviously this, the success of the top four plus CEH and Gibson. And, and then when you, if you were to add, you know, Chuba, um, ETN and Harris to that it would have been bonkers and really this class would have sucked and yes. I did put all my chips in for that that 2020 class because of the assumption that ETN certainly I thought ETN was coming out for sure and Hubbard after his season I thought for sure and Harris was a little bit of a question although he probably I don't know what he, I, I guess he probably made himself some money I guess sure but um but when I when I was ranking those guys I, I had Harris behind ETN and Hubbard you know, obviously because he hadn't produced a big season because he played behind some some talent in Jacobs and, and the other Harris. So um, I guess what I'm getting at is is if you froze time last year, I did rank those guys. And ETN was, was, was one, Hubbard two, Harris three. And obviously that's changed now. So I guess, you know, I don't know. I guess, I, you know, I try to look at these things like, you know, um, are, are we like too low on Hubbard now? I mean, Chuba Chuba had a shitty year with a shitty team with a coach he hated and I don't know, like a you know, there was a pandemic, like 
are we are we maybe grading a little bit too hard on Chuba? Like, is he a running back four right now? Uh, Hubbard's right there. I mean, it, I'm I'm flexible pre-draft. He's probably right there at running back four. I know Jamar Jefferson was a name that was kind of floating around for a while, yeah. but the thing was, you know, Chuba Hubbard has a you know like borderline Olympic track you know track background, yes. and his pro day numbers adjust to a four five six at a guy that's yeah. two hundred eight pounds. So it's really weird. He was non-productive last year, questionably. He ended up running infinitely slower and was less explosive than anybody thought. Call it yeah. injuries, call it what you want, but those are the reasons why we then reevaluate and go, okay, maybe this isn't the right fit. Maybe he isn't the guy, but the class is so devoid of talent. To be honest with you, when we start to look at landing spot, I might fall in love with Kenny Gainwell a lot more um, than, than even Shuba Hubbard. Now, he had the speed, he had all these things, but one thing I would say, and I've, I've had this take, and I don't even think it's take lock, when it comes to running backs coming out as juniors or coming out as seniors, it, in the end, to me, it doesn't matter because I think the good running backs are good running backs. The only difference when you look at the age of a running back entering the league is that you lose one year essentially in dynasty, right? I mean, right. a guy like Nick Chubb was an old prospect. I think LaDainian Tomlinson played four years. Obviously, the younger, the better. But like my question is always, oh, if Saquon Barkley had played till he was a senior, would he suck in the NFL? If Christian Mac- McCaffrey had played as a senior, would he suck at the NFL? Of course not. They would still be right. elite talents. It's just... They came out a year earlier. So for me, I oftentimes see the, you know, see the draft class being factored in quite a bit. And to your point, if Najee Harris and Travis Etienne had gone last year, this would be the fucking worst running back class since the Bishop Sankey year. And there's no yes. doubt about it. It'd be like yes. David Cobb and Bishop Sankey. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And there's really like, you can't even find a good one. Wait, uh, was there even a good one? Was David Johnson in that one? I don't think I thought Johnson was much later. I'd have to look this yeah, up now. I don't remember. A, now, now you got me. But but that was the highlight. Yeah, it was Bishop Sankey was the prize. Yeah, um, he was a second round pick. <laughs> yeah, he was terrible. Um, so so here's what here, here's here's where I'm driving to. Right. So then you say, okay, so fade these running backs. You know, which I'm 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 with. You know, obviously Pitts is dope. But, you know, that means that, okay, we should be drafting wide receivers. This is supposedly a deep wide receiver class, and I'm with that. But then I look at each wide receiver, and like even Jamar Chase, he's missing. I mean, he's got one year of production. He's missing an entire junior year of production. Like he, It's like invisible. So when we're trying to, you know, put these guys in, in historical perspective, each one of them is flawed. Right. Uh, Devonte Smith, you know, everybody's got their, you know, the BMI. I'm not, I'm actually not as concerned about that, but he's a senior didn't produce a, you know, I mean, there's just, there's something with each of these prospects where you can start to say, wait a minute, I'm a little hesitant pushing the button for player wide receiver X, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, as a founding member of the breakout finder, when I look at the it's breakout true. finder app, Jamar chase without athleticism factored in, which by the way, ridiculous athleticism without, Draft capital factored in has one of the highest scores that we've ever input in there. And that system is, again, it's hard to believe that. But I have to, I have to stop you real quick. Did you, uh, from what I understand, I think I listened to your show and I'm not calling you out on this. I'm just asking, you know, did you have to input something for his junior year? Did I hear that right or something? Or did we have to input something for his junior year? Uh, Yes. Yeah. Because you mean opting out of the season. Correct. Yeah. So they use default data across that junior year. So there is information that's been dropped into that point. I think that Josh, and I'm not criticizing you. No, that's all right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you put zeros, obviously it would completely fuck it up. I get it. There has to be some sort of data. And all I'm saying is 
We just don't have that data. So even in the breakout finder, and and, and I love the breakout sure. finder. It's great. Go get it. I'm not I'm not I'm not picking it apart yeah. here. What I'm saying is, even in that scenario, you've got to fucking put a placebo in there to try and make this thing work because there's just so much missing information. You know, we don't know. We, we don't know how fast Devontae Smith is. We don't know how much he weighs. We don't know how tall he is. We don't know shit. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah, we yeah. don't know what he would have done in his junior year with Terrace Marshall and, and whatever, Boutte, right? I mean, we just don't know a lot of these things. And and that that creates, I, I don't know, uh, it, it, uncertainty. Is that the word? Uh, maybe. I mean, I think it's less difficult for me to... You got guys that didn't test, right? So we have guys that didn't test. All the LSU guys stepped up and test, which was great. And all those guys ran fast and everybody was like, this is bullshit. Everybody at LSU ran sub 4-4. Well, guess what? He officially ran a sub 4-4, I believe. So uh, these guys are incredible athletes. So when you factor in that it wasn't just a historical offense because Justin Jefferson was a fucking revelation in the NFL. So we know that Jamar Chase must necessarily be pretty good in his own right, you know, at the age that he had done what he's done. The, the production that we saw, you know, in his sophomore season, the athleticism that's now been tethered into there. I think that it's kind of, for me, it's a no brainer. I think Jamar Chase is going to be a hit at the NFL level. And I feel like I don't he's disagree. The, the only guy we can say this about now. Yeah, it is inconclusive. That makes it difficult. And this will go down in history as one of the rare years where it was hard to do that. I know Josh Lark, you went on the breakout finder podcast and I believe he laid out exactly what the process is behind inputting the data for a player like this, because we have many players. Rashad Bateman had an inconclusive profile, right? So we have a multitude of players that are in our top three, top four wide receivers in the class. And we don't know what to do again, Devonta Smith. You can't even factor in what his you know level of athleticism is. I mean, right. Or right. his weight. I mean, what are you going to make it up? Yeah. I mean, you have to make it up actually. You, yeah. you have to make it up Yeah, because you, it's not, it's you, you I, that this is my point. It's like the, you, you know, we're data guys. I mean, obviously the breakout finder is a piece of data. I know you're sure. a film guy too. You watch sure. film. I know sure. that, but we use data to give us some information so that we can then, you know, make an informed decision based on what we've seen, what we've heard, draft capital, situations, all these different things, right? Uh, play style, where he's going to play, is he a slot, is he a satellite back, all these things, right? Okay, great. But we take this data that helps us get there, right? And in this particular season, the data is is missing huge swaths of information. You know, even all these pro days, I fucking hate it because it's so irregular. You know, it's like a bunch of dudes with stopwatches at different places, different time, different date, different, you know, uh, it just, there's the lack of uniformity. I don't really even give a shit what people's 40 times are this year. I mean, I'm not a huge 40 time guy anyway, especially for wide receivers, but I'm certainly not factoring it in now because I don't want to, I don't even want to know what the damn forties are. I mean, it just, it feels, you know, like you said, uh, Javante Williams, he may be a four, seven guy, right? Yeah. I mean, we don't know actually, you know, he ran what a four, five, eight, uh, official, you know, which is a, you know, four, six, four, six, five, somewhere in there, uh, you know, adjusted to, to the combine. We think. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. It's, it's mostly Rough. official. So yeah, I, I think that that is what is going to make this draft class the most difficult And I oftentimes refer to what's taking place. What we're talking about right now is essentially double counting. If, yes. if Jalen Waddle is fast and I believe, and I'm sure you believe Jalen Waddle is faster fast. than Devonta Smith. Like that's been reported a multitude of times. He was supposed to be a four, three guy. We didn't see him run. I believe at the worst, he probably would have ended up being a four, 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 one guy like fast, right? At the combine. Right. Yes, at the combine. He would have been yeah. fast. He may be sub four, four, but 
I think probably sub four four. Yeah. I think probably sub four four, especially at his size and quickness. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And and he's bigger than Devonta Smith, and I think Devonta Smith would have been slower. But we just without that information, we have to make these assumptions about these players. But the issue is that oftentimes it's double counting. Now that we know the athleticism, why does that necessarily change anything? When you watch Javante Williams, did anybody ever go, holy shit, he's fast? No. No, nobody did, right? So no. if he, But we did think he was explosive, and he was explosive. Yeah, yes, and he, right? and he was explosive. I guess the <laughs> right. question, though, is whether you think he's his, whether he was a 4.8 or not, or a 5.5, why why does it really matter like if if you could watch him in essentially a, a relative offense to another running back that you like that was similar and they both performed similarly on the field why is it that now that we have data like this we make the assumption that they're now going to be a worse prospect i guess is yeah, my that's question, a fair question. Right? it's it's, it's a, a weird one. thing yeah i think i think a lot of times we just like to I, for me you know i like it all and i'm sure you guys i mean sure. with with player profile with breakout finder i mean both of those products would like to have some uniformity i know if we asked matt he'd say yes please you know i mean sure. he was railing against the people saying we should get rid of the combine i mean if this year doesn't lead you to see that we should definitely have the combine then I don't I don't know what the hell you're watching. I mean, at least from our perspective, I would imagine if look if I'm a GM running a team, I want the combine too. I mean, this is crazy. You know, this is a lot of a lot of guesswork we're doing. You know, just wondering what type of uh, athletes and prospects we have. You know, to measure out. I mean, uh, even just the heights and weight. You know, I mean, you get everybody at the at the at the combine. They do drills together. They do all sorts. You know, there's a lot of uniformity there where where you can really hear. Even just the chirps, right? I mean, there's so many scouts talking. Hey, you know who really looked good in the drills and who was really, but you know, and then guys uh, creep up because they're coachable or they're interviewed well. I mean, there's a lot more to the combine than just the forty. I mean, you know, and all of those things stack together to create a story that makes sense for us as dynasty players or fantasy football players to understand what what we're getting. I think there's going to be a lot of swings and misses in the real draft too. I mean, there always is. So sure. I guess that's not much of a prediction, but. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I, 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 you know, if I'm holding a a first round pick this year, I guess what I'm getting at is I may want to, you know, trade that damn pick for a 22 first plus a, you know, maybe a late second this year and just take a, take a, take a swing on a Diami Brown or Tylen Wallace or some other player that's uh, available later, an arbitrage play this year, and then move, move that pick into next season. I mean, it's not crazy. Um, I, I guess that's what I'm asking. You know, if, in other words, if if Harris, Etienne, and you know, I guess Etienne's great, but if they're, you know, the the prize, well, okay, they're going to be gone in the top three or four picks. After that, I mean, again, non super flex. Yeah. You know, uh, you know what I'm saying? Sure. I mean, in non super flex, and you know, I've gone on record with this take a lot too. Is in non super flex, the quarterbacks in this case, and we're probably going to get to a couple of these here. You know, uh, uh, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. Those to me are the two quarterbacks that I'm looking at. At that point, I'm basically nixing any of the others. I know Mac Jones may have some rushing upside, but give me the rushing quarterbacks in a one quarterback, in one league. quarterback league, hundred yeah, percent, right? Yes. So no doubt about it. But 100%. but you're absolutely right. When we've gotten past essentially the top two running backs, Javante Williams can be tossed into the you know the ring. Uh, Jamar Chase. I mean, I, I'm confident in Bateman. Um, I like Rondale more, but the reality is like there are I'm questions. I'm nervous about Rondale. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I think you I'm should nervous. be. Yeah. I'm nervous. You, you should be, right? Because when you look at Rondale and you look at Devontae uh, Smith, here's the deal. Both of them being a success at the NFL level would make them outliers, right? For, for different reasons. One guy's short, one guy's ultra skinny. Here's the problem, though. 
Rondell Moore is the only one of those two players that, to me, had the athleticism, had the true early freshman breakout age, has the dynamic playmaking ability. Devonta Smith did what he did, and I've got a huge take that I've done 10,000 times on Devonta Smith. But to me, I can find enough reasons logically why Rondale Moore actually makes sense at the NFL level versus Devonta Smith. So if my hand was forced drafting these two guys, I'm taking Rondale Moore. And here was a question I did. A, I did a. Um, this is great because I'm. I'm gonna. I can't wait. This is good. good. Keep going. Because I did a great. thought experiment with Ryan Lopes. We did a. We did a behind the scenes pro day thing on Patreon, and. I basically asked him, I said, okay, if we know that Devonta Smith is going to go in the top 15, right? He's a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. For sure. And yep. Terrace Marshall, who many of us love, he's kind of a sleeper name, right? I'm with you. He's probably, let's say he's going to go pick 45. If Devonta Smith didn't go at pick 15, but went at pick 44, who would you take, Devonta Smith or Terrace Marshall? So I have Terrace Marshall. I, I, that's a good question. Okay. That's a good question. I have De- I have Terrace Marshall ahead of Rondell Moore. I have Devontae Smith ahead of Rondell Moore. Okay. I love Terrace Marshall right now. I think, and here's why. So that's a great question, by the way. I, I'm actually right now, you know, after Jamar Chase. So Jamar Chase put him in his in his tier. He's up there. I, I, nobody's touching him. After that, I have a, a slew of guys that I really like: Bateman, Devontae Smith, Waddle. Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore's in there for yep. me, just so yep. you know. Yep. Um, that little group, I, I sometimes shuffle them around a little bit. But here's my thought. Uh, Devontae Smith, I can see him, you know, just playing all over the field. I can see him playing outside. I can see him playing in the slot. I think with 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 Rondell Moore, it's going to take – He there's just no way he's playing outside, right? I mean – Am I am I crazy? Like, there's zero. Is there zero chance? One percent chance he can play outside in the NFL? I mean, I don't think that that was his main role as it was in college. I mean, he's primarily a, a slot guy, right? I mean, ninety percent right. of his career was in the slot. Um, so you know, he's going to have to be a slot target monster, which, by the way, he can absolutely for do sure, that, right? Yeah. For sure, yeah. right? Like, like uh, you know, he can be Julian Edelman on steroids. He can be, you know, I, I, but he's so small. It's just so five, seven is extremely sure. small. He's, but he's also mighty mouse. I mean, he's, he's just so strong, so athletic. I mean, he's a really, really tough player to figure out. Um, I think a lot of this too will come to landing spot too, right? Like if you feel like he lands someplace where it's like, you can envision his, his role. I feel a lot better about it. You know, I mean, I don't know if that yeah, makes no, sense. Yeah, no, it does. And you want him to fall into the right offense. I think he is absolutely landing spot dependent. Again, being 5'7 is a problem. You're not going to – there's always people out there that are like, yeah, but his vertical leap is whatever. And you're like, that doesn't change what his height is though, right? We've got a history of players at a certain height. And this is what I'm saying. This is what makes him necessarily an outlier at the league level. Um, you know, with Devonta Smith, my whole take with him has been – you look at what Jalen Waddle was doing, right? You look at Jalen Waddle's production prior to injury. If Jalen Waddle and him play together the whole year, number one, Devonta Smith never wins the Heisman. If Devonta Smith went down, I'm pretty sure Jalen Waddle would have won the Heisman, right? Like I just don't think he had. I think he had six 100 yard games to open the season and then got hurt. He had more 100 yard games than Devonta Smith did. So. I, I just think that when you look at these two guys, I believe that Devonta Smith, sure, he can play all over the field. He played some slot last year, primarily outside for the you know multitude of his career. But I feel like we had this conversation with Marquise Brown a year prior. Oh, he's he's you know he's quick, he's uh, slick off press, he can do all these things. What's happened to him? And I realize he's with Lamar Jackson. So if we're gonna put 
the inaccuracies of Lamar Jackson on Marquise Brown, then does that necessarily make Devonta Smith quarterback dependent? Because I thought that Marquise Brown was always open, but he's not. He hasn't had target separation. I think he's right there at wide receiver 24 across the league. So it makes me wonder because, I mean, again, going back to Marquise Brown, I was told that this guy was a savvy route runner. That's yet to really manifest. Devonta Smith, same story. Is it going to manifest? That's fair. Um, so you must think Mac Jones is like awesome. I mean, I think Mac Jones is is a good quarterback. I, I like all the top I five. I think that. he's good. Yeah, I think he's good. So I agree. I, I guess what I'm getting at is someone has to be good. Sure. <laughs> because like if Devontae Smith isn't awesome, then Mac Jones is really, really good, right? Sure. Because he here's here's the stat. I think I saw this on PFF. I hope I recite this correctly. In the last four college seasons, the 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 best. Uh, wide receiver in the nation, the the highest uh, quarterback rating when targeted uh, over the last four seasons. Uh, four years ago was AJ Brown. Mm-hmm. Three years ago, CD Lamb. The last two seasons have both been Devonte Smith. I mean, he's had he's had a shitload of targets over he's the been last good. two years. Well, and last year was even more impressive because he essentially had half the targets. You know, me and Matt Kelly were having this debate about. Jalen Waddle and Jamar Chase. And he brought up that Jamar Chase had double the receiving yards that Jalen Waddle had. And what I pointed out to him is a lot of people don't know. I think Jalen Waddle only had 60 targets, but almost 900 receiving yards. Had he right. had the same 140 targets that Jamar Chase had, he would have put up the same production. So it's kind of shocking. And I realize that Devonta Smith has is, is fallen into this cut of cloth and he's a great receiver at the college level. He's a great receiver. It's just, for him to be great at the NFL level, we now necessarily have to go, okay, he's going to be an outlier success. Yeah, he's- and Jalen Waddle this past year, you're right, was, well, look, they were both great, right? Sure. So Devontae and, and, and Jalen Waddle were like, I don't know, there was, they, were, they were definitely without any question the two receivers who accounted for the most offense on any team in college, right? And then Waddle gets hurt and Devontae continued and, and did even more. Um, but I, I, I surmise, you can tell Matt this, that – I think Jalen Waddle, especially last year, I, you probably heard the stories where they would Rochambeau. I just think he was bad at Rochambeau, you know, because they would always Rochambeau to see who got the touchdown pass. Remember that right, story? Sure. There would be Ruggs, Judy, Devontae, and, and Waddle, and they'd go out and they'd Rochambeau who's going to get the touchdown pass. And, you know, he probably just lost a lot. That's why he wasn't targeted as much. So I think that's really it. This year it was – there was no more Rochambeau because it was just him and him and Devontae. So, you know, they just divvied it up. But, um, you know, the year before they had to – I think what happens is, you know, we, we fast forward two years and we find out that the next man up in, in Alabama is, is a great player. You know, it, it always yeah. continues that way. Like they've always got guys in the pipeline and, you know, we knew Waddle was good as a freshman. Uh, yes. Know, we didn't know how good necessarily time goes by. It's like, boom, first round pick, you know, uh, Amari Cooper, first round pick, you know, uh, uh, Calvin Ridley, first round pick. It's like, they just constantly pump guys out that end up being first round picks. And for me with Devonta Smith, you know, I don't want to knock him, but it's incredible to me that all these people want to get behind him and, and they're willing, like, I don't want to pick if I'm on the clock. And like my pick is Devonta Smith. If my guys are gone, if, if Chase is gone, if Bateman is gone, and, you know, again, I like Rondale Moore, and it's Moore and Smith. For me, I'm taking Moore. But if Moore is gone for whatever reason, I don't want to draft Smith. I, I, I honest to God, would take Terrace Marshall. If I, if my like, gun to my head had to pick, I'm taking Terrace Marshall. I, I, I've, I've gone – I've come full circle. So, you know, I, what is it then about Devontae Smith that you don't like? Is it the weight? 
I think that's a big part of it. I think the weight is a huge factor. I also think that people are ranking him. People are ranking him where they are on perception because one, they think he's going to be a first round pick again. In my scenario, he will be, right? what if he fell to the second round? He won't, but if he fell to the he second won't. round, wouldn't that change people's perception? Number one, number two, people are, are talking about this fucking Heisman and they're ignoring that Waddle would have probably outproduced him. And again, I'm confident that if Smith was hurt, Waddle would have won the Heisman. So that shit never comes up and shoulda, woulda, coulda. But I start to factor these things in. Then he doesn't get on a scale. Then he doesn't run. He's ultra skinny. Like, if he has to be an outlier to be successful at the NFL level, then I don't want to gamble. Because how good is he really going to be? Do you think he's a top 12 wide receiver in Dynasty? Because who does he look like that's ever been in the top 12, top 15? I mean, who? Well, then, then who does who does who does uh, Rondell Moore look like that's ever been there? Less I mean, so. Okay. I mean, well, I mean, I guess you would you would go to somebody like you know Tyreek Hill in a sense. Obviously, he's shorter, but th- that same level of explosiveness. We know he's got the long speed. We know he's got the build. Obviously, that that's my argument too. Is that either way, it's an outlier. Yeah. For me, for me, the 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 Tyreek Hill is Jalen Waddle. Waddle could be. I mean, he's got I mean, similar size. He's got the speed. It's, it's entirely possible. That's, that's why to me, like and I've said this on other stuff is I, I'm not going to be surprised when Jalen Waddles, the better NFL player than Devonta Smith. I, I, I refuse won't even. to be right. Like he, he proved it early on at Alabama surrounded by a multitude of first round picks that develop in the future. I mean, three first round picks plus a third round wide receiver and Irv Smith. So, you know, you've got all these guys that are surrounding him, lots of talent, lots of mouths to feed, if you will. Tua at quarterback for part of that. Um, so I think that Waddle could be the better receiver here. But again, we're we're now in this range. We're if we're in single quarterback, we're now talking about pick what 106 to like 110. Right? Is that where we're sitting? Yeah. So and, and a single quarterback late first round. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just not I'm just not that interested in these guys. And they really don't do they don't do much for me, honestly. I would rather I would rather trade these assets. If I can get my hands on a wide receiver that's maybe 25, 26, you know, if one of those guys exist, if I could work my way into Terry McLaurin somehow, you know, by trading my first plus something, that's the direction I want to go. Sure. That's not crazy. And and I I've, I've been thinking about that as well, like on the clock in a rookie draft. You know, with Devonte Smith, you know the, the the clear next up guy. Yeah. Because I, right now I've done a I've done a number of mocks. I'm, I don't know if you have, but uh, these rookie mocks, it feels to me like Devonte is the consensus WR two coming off the board. Um, so that would necessarily mean that you'll never own him. No. Um, you know, which, which is fine, right? And and actually, in some ways, me too. I even sometimes I've had him. I flirted with him as my WR two. I am tantalized by the production. Okay, sure. Um, you know, it, it, last year, uh, you, you know, in that 2019 offense with Tua, I mean, he was pretty. He was pretty awesome. I mean, he was dominant. He had 1,200 yards, 14 touchdowns. He's been, you know, he's over 18 yards a catch. Like, he was obviously very good at Rochambeau. I mean, yeah. clearly, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, he must have won a lot of those suckers. I mean, way more than Henry Ruggs, you know. And I thought he was the best wide receiver on the team last year in nineteen. I was like, this kid's the best. And then he goes out, and, and I know a lot of people didn't agree with that last year, which is interesting. So I feel like I was way ahead of consensus last year on Devonte Smith, and I feel like I'm now behind somehow. It's like, how the hell did this happened? Like, I haven't really changed my opinion. I think he's a damn good player. Um, I, I, you know, I, I asserted that you know uh, Devonte Smith BMI is akin to DK Metcalf agility score. You know, it's like, 
It huh. might just be fucking nothing. I mean, well, maybe, but you know, maybe. with DK Metcalf's three cone, it, that was kind of an irrelevant thing. I, I mean, to me, like it, I, I don't think it mattered on the level that people thought that it mattered. You're looking at like the most incredible physical specimen of all time, not to mention it just didn't fit right. Like none of it, that didn't make sense. How was a guy that big and that fast? And then, you know, people were talking about, uh, I think Fusu was talking about like his, his you know, hips or some shit, or I don't know what it was. I'm like, now we're, we're digging to the most outer reaches, but you know, Devonta Smith in 2019, you know, was impressive. He had three games that went over a hundred yards. You know, two of those games go over 200, lots of games under 100, not the same player that we saw this year. And obviously the target share was significantly less big step up this year. Uh, just my biggest concern when there's been so many misses, you can go back to draft classes when we thought guys were going to be hits and just yeah. completely shit the bed on dynasty yep. owners. And no doubt year to year when the wide receiver position is already a tough sell, when it's already a, a thing that has, it's got the most depth of any position, right? Number one, you yes. can start the most of them. There's the most guys available. You can go get your hands on Jarvis Landry for nothing. Yep. Yep. Why, why, you know, go out and, and make this selection again, you mentioned Elijah Moore earlier. I I'm falling in love with Elijah Moore amongst Absolutely. this group. Right. And yes. you talk about slot potential. You talk about three cone. Holy shit. This guy yeah. could, could be the best slot option in the whole draft. And I think he very well may prove to be that. He's, he's also extremely young yeah. and you, you know, I don't remember. Let me look it up here. I have it here. Uh, hold on. Uh, Elijah Moore, twenty-one, right yep. on the right on the yep. nose. Um, so he's still very young. You know, uh, Rondale's young at twenty. You know, you know that's a that's maybe a little bit of a negative for um, uh, Devonte Smith. He's twenty-two and a half. Yep. So you know, look, some of these things matter to to a degree. I just think you know, I look for you know, and I know you do the same thing. It's like when did they produce? I think Devonte was certainly producing. I thought he should have come out last year. Who knows what? what made him come back. I thought he was, you know, he would have, I would have certainly been picking his ass all over the place in, in round two last year and in, in drafts and, and perhaps been happy, but you're right. Uh, you know, for the cost. So, so let's, let's do this. Well, you said you wanted to talk about quarterbacks. Let's just go there real quick yeah. because I, I, you know, so I think, you know, you and Matt, certainly I, I've been listening to you for a while. I think you would agree that in many cases, it's not automatic to take the, the 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 first round quarterback over the elite running back in a super flex league. Like for instance, last year I was taking JT ahead of some of these quarterbacks. You know, maybe in some cases ahead of all of them, I would take him one point oh one even in super flex drafts because he was that great a talent. In this particular draft, I my my current rankings, which you know are are certainly fluid, especially at this particular point, and certainly uh, after the draft. But I currently have the five quarterbacks: one, two, three, four, five. And is that crazy? You have that. You have them ranked over the running backs. Yeah. Um. I don't. You know. I In don't. Superflex, of course. Yeah, Superflex. Yeah. I. I don't necessarily think it is because my whole argument has been when you look at quarterbacks, you know, even a guy like Matt Ryan who had a, a super mediocre year. Matt Ryan last year was averaging what seventeen and a half points per game. When you go and align that at the running back position, I mean, that's pretty much better than that was better than Jonathan Taylor. That was better than Joe Mixon. So. Even at that level, the quarterbacks can outproduce running backs on any given day. And I almost look at it like if we're looking at the matrix, I don't care what you look like. I don't want jersey you wear. I don't care about your name. I just want right. points, right? We just want right. points. So I think if you're going to rank the five quarterbacks, they certainly have the most upside. To me, 
When I look back at, at the history of the quarterback position, though, you look at the guys that finish inside the top 10, routinely five or six of these guys are guys that rush more than 60 times a year. So give me that mobility. I know Mac Jones, again, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. He has a sneaky upside as a rusher. I mean, he tested a lot better than I think people thought. Uh, scouts have talked about, hey, there's this upside to him as a runner that people don't really know about. And then, of course, Justin Fields. Trey Lance, to me, is the unicorn that I keep coming back to, though. Like, for me, I can't get enough of him. Where do you have him ranked amongst these five? Well, for me, uh, it's so hard, man. I, I We talked about this last week on the show, and I had him at five. But uh, you could, I easily put him at three. I mean, I for me, it's Lawrence and Fields, one and two. I mean... And that's my next question. What the hell is going on? What, like, what? I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm an idiot. I don't know. What is wrong with Justin Fields? Like, what are you, what are we missing? He's got a great body. He's put together, you know, great downfield passing ability, outstanding completion percentage and accuracy. He ran a 4 4, which is probably not a 4 4, but he's really fast. Uh, hello. What the hell am I missing? So for me, it's like 1 2, but, you know, so so then it's like, you're, as you point out, it's like uh, Trey Lance has the best upside out of anybody remaining, like Zach Wilson, Mac sure. Jones, Trey Lance, easily. So for me, you could easily say one, two, three, Lawrence Fields, uh, Lance. Uh, I, I have no problem with that. And that that's sometimes probably where I'm at. Um, I think, though, okay, okay, so here's my point. Like, you know, let's say we put all these five quarterbacks, use the Matt Ryan example. Okay, great. But what about the Josh Rosen example? Like, in other words, it, I, I want – uh, David Montgomery over Josh Rosen. You know, I'm just using it, sure, right? Sure. So I want a mediocre running back over a shit ass quarterback. And you know, these th- out of these five, it would be foolish to think all five of them will, you know, come to fruition, right? Like one or two has got a bust, right? I mean, every draft class that happens, every draft every class, one. these these guys bust. Um, the one thing that I found though, again, you look back at these guys who have been mobile. And I think you're shocked to find that their longevity in the league, like go back to the quarterbacks that have been mobile and think about how long they've stuck around the league when that's been a part of their game. And you, whether you find teams building around them or you just find that that defense has struggled to cover it, even with Lamar Jackson, who's been a mediocre passer in the league, who's ran way too much. I think way too right. much for anybody's taste. When you watched him playing, you know, two years ago, at least, he was dominant. I mean, he was incredibly difficult for teams to scheme for, to stop. His passing was hyper-efficient, even though it was low volume. I mean, I remember yep. as a Seattle fan, Colin Kaepernick absolutely shredding Seattle. I'm thinking to myself, how the fuck do you stop a guy built like this? <laughs> right, right. And that's what Trey Lance brings to the table. He's got this ultra you know, arm strength. He's got this ability to run. It's innate. And I see that in a quarterback, and I think if he goes to a team like Atlanta – I'm very intrigued by that landing spot. Now, I don't know what happens at three. Uh, people are, are, you know, are going, what if it's Mac Jones? I mean, I would be shocked. Schefter, Schefter came out and said it's Mac Jones. Oh, my God. I would be shocked if this draft went Lawrence Wilson, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, and then we saw, we saw Fields drop to, I mean, Carolina at that point's taking him. I mean, here, here's the thing, the, the, the whole draft, I mean, I think it's going to go uh, Lawrence, Wilson, Jones, whether that's correct, smart or whatever, I think that's happening. And, you know, Atlanta's the, the, the tricky one. I talked about it multiple times now uh, on the pod. It's like, 
I, I said last week, and and, and I'll, you'll tell me what you think of this. So Atlanta had Matt Ryan, and it was an albatross contract to get rid of this year. But it basically was so bad that you know if they'd have just sucked it up this year, they could have gotten out next year easily. But instead, they restructured and pushed him. Now it's like an albatross for the, like the next two, three years. Like I, I forget, the, you don't have to look it up, but it's not a pretty contract. So by that sort of strategy move, you would think they would not be drafting a quarterback. I've heard rumblings that uh, Arthur Smith does not want to draft a quarterback, but the front office kind of does. So we'll see who wins that one. For me, if I'm Atlanta, and if you're not going to draft a quarterback, you got to trade your ass out of there. You got to leverage that pick for whomever wants Trey Lance or Justin Fields. I don't give a shit who you want. You can come up and get them right here at this pick, and we're gonna we're gonna sell it almost like it's the 1.01, or maybe not quite that much, of course, but damn close because that's that's who you're getting. If you're getting Trey Lance or or, or Justin Fields, you got to assume that if you're moving up, you're doing it because you think he's the next thing. You're gonna get a future first plus their first this year, whomever that is, whether it's Washington or New England or right, whoever, right? I, yeah. I, of course, yeah. I hope it's New England. But, you know, uh, Bill Simmons was talking about Justin Fields playing for New England. I got it too excited. I had to shut it off. I mean, it's just too much. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, that's not that's not happening. But, okay. To what? The, it's not happening. To, to the oh, point, stop. though, to the, to the point of Matt Ryan and his contract and them not selecting yes. a guy, well, what happened with – Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers' contract is exorbitant. I mean, we've got they literally took Jordan Love in the first round. So this happens all the time. And it's true. whether the Jordan Love selection is bad, they did the same thing with Aaron Rodgers with Brett Favre. I mean, we've watched this take place once in the past. It's just that Aaron Rodgers' contract is fucking disgusting. Yeah. But you look at Atlanta, they've invested an offensive line in the first round for multiple years now, right? They've continued to build this O-line, and we are getting to the end of it with Matt Ryan. You know, we're entering, what, age 36 this year or something like that. So he's certainly older, and I don't remember quarterbacks playing as late as they're playing now. Like, it seems like Correct. every year it's just like moving a little further and a little further. Yeah. It's like, it's like you're not going to always get this many. You know, it's like, oh, well, I'm going to select Kyler Murray in Dynasty because I'm going to have him for 17 years. 25 years. Yeah, right? yeah, like, exactly. right. no, that's not, not even a thing. My league is going to be gone in four. Yeah. But so when I think about that, it wouldn't shock me if Atlanta decided to bring in, usher in a guy like Trey Lance because to me. I would. Yeah. Right. But of, of this whole group, we would probably agree that Trey Lance is the most project of all of the five, right? I guess, yeah, I think I think so. I mean, that's the thing. I don't I don't have enough information to know, but here's here's what I do have. He didn't play all last year. He's yep. the youngest yep. and he's got the fewest games started and he played at North Dakota State. Yep. Like if I just told you that, you'd be like, eh, pass. Yeah. Right. But because his skill set is so high, it 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 overshadows the the sort of the that that part of the profile and what do you have like zero intercept like hey, twenty seven interceptions like you know so yeah there's some things there you're like jeez oh, and if I what if what if I told you he was two hundred and thirty pounds and ran a four four would you be interested in that He's selling you know it's sales. like yeah it's oh whoa yeah, no, you know I but mean, yeah it's like you know right yeah everything's you know, there so, yeah it's it's some of it's there and some of it isn't it's the same type of thing this you know if he had played this year and put up you know four thousand passing yards a thousand rushing yards. 38 total touchdowns and four picks, you'd have been like, dude, fucking A. Right. I'm in. Well, but and if he'd have played this year and been like, you know, he threw 15 picks, the team wasn't as good, the offensive line wasn't as good, he struggled, and then you'd be like, Yeah, no, right? I mean, but we don't have this this season to go on. Like, we are imagining that he'd have been just as good. 
that's not a guarantee. I don't. I mean, know I guess is that is that necessarily different though than what we saw with a guy like Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts was reasonable playing in Alabama. You know, goes to. Oklahoma State or whatever plays behind an offense that made Baker look amazing, made Kyler yes. look amazing. Then he looked amazing. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. Is this a product of the offense with a passer that can do all the things requisite to what they need? Because then you look at a guy like Jalen and you go, okay, well, is that truly a guy that's going to be great at the NFL level? Cause Baker's been okay. Kyler's been okay. We don't know yet. We think he's going to be good. But the guy like Trey Lance, we've seen one year from him, and maybe he was just great in that offense. We right. didn't get to see him again, but I don't know if what I saw from Jalen Hurts was bullshit, right? Like, right. We, the mobility is real, though. And the mobility is real. That's to me I, what separates. And that's Trey. the thing, you know, so we can talk like, like if all of a sudden you and I are talking and we're talking about who forget fantasy football, we don't even play fantasy football, we're just talking two dudes talking football, who's going to be good? And that's where the teams are picking. And I think that's why they're picking Mac Jones over Trey Lance or whatever, because, sure. you know, because they're like, I've seen this dude process information. I've seen him run an offense. I've seen him go undefeated at the fucking biggest school in the country, win a national championship and shove his dad bod in everybody's face. Yeah. And right. Yeah. So I've seen that uh, with Trey Lance. It's all projection and it's all scout stuff. It's like body arm, you know, skill set. But none of it's like sort of proven on the highest level. But if we flip it, and now you and I are talking about fantasy football, well, fuck Mac Jones, right? Like, I mean, yeah, he might be good, but, you know, he's Cousins or Matt Ryan or, you know, maybe, you know, he's a ceiling of some, you know, these these ultra elite passers of Brady, but, but probably not. But if we just look at the average, quote unquote, quarterbacks, like, you know, uh, look, the first two years of Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, these are elite dynasty and fantasy assets, right? Yeah, yeah. Even though they're not great NFL quarterback, it doesn't fucking matter. So all we need Trey Lance to be is adequate, like just good enough. And then he's a great, you know, I just said, if he hits, he's hits huge, you know? I, I mean, the rushing upside's immense. Look at Cam Newton. Cam Newton's never been a great passer in the Bingo. league, right? Like, great example. Yeah. He's never been a great passer, but his rushing upside has made him the QB1. It's made him indefensible. Over and over. Yeah. 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 A QB1 over and over. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so you look at you look at that upside, that allure, and there's a lot of that physicality. And we got to watch Cam Newton back in college playing on the greatest stage, you know, and watch him yes. you know, play in the national title. And you're just like, holy shit, this guy is bigger than football. And I think Trey Lance, like you said, he opts out, um, but he has all the physical tools. And that allure at the NFL level has – made teams bite early and often uh, too many yeah. times. I mean, Carson Wentz was kind of that guy, right? Didn't have the rushing, but had no. Josh Allen, like you mentioned, had the physical yeah. tools. Maybe Josh Allen's a closer parallel when we look at schools, when we look he at is, production. Um, yeah. But a guy that throws 28 touchdowns, zero intercept, you know, interceptions, team goes undefeated. He's He didn't throw any interceptions. Interceptions, either. yeah, exactly. He he's, he's fucking, but he does all these things, and it's like, that's what you want. And if it's yeah. going to be a project and that's why to me, Atlanta feels like one of the places where he doesn't have but to, why wouldn't they just take Justin Fields? They should take Justin Fields. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. No. So you and I are in alignment. Would you take Justin Fields too? If you were the jets? Boom. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Course, yeah, right? yeah. Absolutely. What the fuck is going on? Um, like I like Zach Wilson too. I, the more I've watched, the more I like, like he's got a pretty electric arm. Like, you know, the one thing that he, you know, people compare him to Patrick Mahomes, which is fucking ridiculous. But insofar as he can get the ball to the outside with velocity and accuracy, okay, yeah, I, I understand what you're talking about. You know, there's only a few guys who can kind of do that. Um, 
he did that at BYU. Maybe yes. that looks a little bit different when, you know, there's no offensive line in New York, you know? Right. Yeah, it's that that's going to be the problem. It's just the next it's the next iteration of what we just dealt with for with Darnold. It's like, yes. you know, bad bad offenses, bad organizations kill prospects. And I don't think anybody wants to go there. You know, if you're Fields, you don't want to go there anyways. I would love to go to San Francisco if I was him. I would love to go to Atlanta if I was him. Give me either of those two. Jesus Christ, give me Carolina, you know, gladly. Um, but you don't want to go if, to the if Jets. San Francisco, if San Francisco took Fields. Yeah. You'd be able to talk me into a Fields uh, Lawrence at the 101 argument. You'd at least have the conversation. Yeah, because you have Lawrence locked in at 101, is what you're saying. Yeah. And then move yeah, in. Sure. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, because he's got the rushing upside too. That's what makes him such an intriguing prospect. He sort of looks, he sort of looks like Peyton Manning if Peyton Manning grew his hair out, I guess. Uh, <laughs> that's, <yeah. laughs> that's what makes that to me is why these two guys, to me, Lance and Fields are the two guys in, in, in single QB leagues that I look for. And it's interesting that we switch to a super flex conversation and suddenly the, the roles flip a little bit. A little bit. Uh, and I think that, I think at that point Fields should certainly be considered the, the one one um, depending on if Trevor Lawrence is going to end up being a rusher at the NFL level, you know, Jacksonville looks great. I mean, they are certainly yeah. building something that's going to be a, they're going to be a contender at some point. Right. Yes. And yeah. So we're confident they've got cap space and picks, right? Yes. So they, they can surround him now. Yes. We're confident in the system that's being put together over there. So we, we do necessarily love Trevor Lawrence because he's also the only guy that we know where the fuck he's going. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that that's baked into this, this one one if the jets had the one one and the Jaguars were looking like they're looking now, but they had the one Oh two, would you still have Trevor Lawrence yeah. at 101 over if if the Jags came out and said we're going to take Justin Fields at 2? Would you still right. have Trevor Lawrence at 101 if he was going to the Jets? It's I don't know. That's my point is that they're close enough. I think they're closer as prospects than people give him credit for. Sure. Um Trevor's just sort of this like he's just been along for the ride the whole time. Like, you know, freshman year just awesome, you know, natty the whole thing, right? So I mean, he's just been so good for so long that it's hard to like kind of deny that you know um he's he's just sort of that andrew luck peyton manning prospect sure. with wheels which is pretty cool yeah feels like he feels can't miss i mean he's as much can't feels miss as they're gonna be and to your point every quarterback class historically has a guy or two typically they're a pac-12 guy that just is erased off the face of the earth and you know i don't know who it's gonna be in this class it's weird i feel so confident in all of these guys. I mean, I'll admittedly say again, yeah. Trey Lance feels like a project to me in a lot of ways, but what he brings to the table, I just feel like an offense is going to let him just do his thing for a while and figure it out yeah. on the fly. Right. Like that, Josh Allen, yeah. like damn near, they're yeah. like, get him the fuck out of here. He can't play football. He can't pass. And the growth, I mean, Josh Allen's growth is the, it's unrivaled. There's no example. That There's you can none. Get, right. Like that's, that's yeah. a one of one scenario, but had you given up on him a year earlier, Buffalo looks nothing like they look today. And I guess with Trey Lance, it's like, I think they're going to afford him a leash that you might not see with another one of these quarterbacks. If they're not developing as a pocket passer. Yeah. You, you, you say it exactly right. We're, we're seeing eye to eye. So here's, here's the next question that builds on all this stuff. Everything we're just talking about, right? We've got the five quarterbacks. We like them all. You know, we, we like the sort of the floor of, of Mac Jones. We, we, we like the uh, – it sounds like maybe Zach Wilson may be the fifth one for you. Is that right? He's right there. I, I just think that the, the rushing – because we're talking fantasy football. The rushing for yeah. me is just 
it's a killer. And the other thing is, if I miss on a quarterback, if I'm already drafting this high and I didn't acquire the picks through trades, my team's probably not good. If I miss on a quarterback early on, hoping he's going to be the QB that's going to carry me and he flops, I'm probably drafting high again the next year. So (laughs) it's not necessarily a death sentence, but yeah, I think he'd be a five. So, so, okay, so we got these five quarterbacks. We've got the running backs. That's shallow. We've got Jamar Chase. And then we've got questions, okay? So that's five. Let's call it three. That's eight. And, and, and Chase is nine, okay? Mm-hmm. Non-tight end premium. Mm-hmm. Just a fucking regular league, a super flex league, right? Mm-hmm. That means that right now Kyle Pitts is somewhere 10 or later. How high would you move him up? Is he 10 for you, or would you consider taking him over any of the quarterbacks, any of these three running backs, and Jamar Chase? In single QB? No, no, a super flex, but non-tight end premium, just a regular non-tight end premium. I'm not as as over my skis as some other people with Kyle Pitts. Um, I'm also not necessarily willing to treat him like I have the other first-round tight ends that have been selected because I think he's an absolutely different breed of tight end that we just really haven't seen in quite some time. So I'm not going to hold him to the historical hit rate of tight ends. With that being said, the tight end position historically takes a while to develop. Most of these guys, when they break out are 24 and a half, 25, 26. I mean, good luck finding a tight end. That's been a heavy producer earlier than that. And if you do, they're probably the tight end six, you know, tight end seven, because the tight end production is kind of shitty for the most and, part. And by, and by the way, by my count, he's the youngest uh, offensive prospect in the draft at just 20 yes. and a half years. Yeah, he's super young. So with that being said, I think the development for him is going to happen sooner than your typical tight end, but I don't think you see it year one. And to be honest with you, I don't think it's crazy to say that I I might be interested in a guy like Noah Fant um, yeah. versus a guy like Kyle Pitts. And I don't, yeah. don't say that to say anything crazy, but – I'm with you. Noah Fant's been incredible at the NFL level. So to answer your question, Kyle Pitts, for me, I don't put him above those running backs. Um, I certainly wouldn't put him ahead of Fields and Lance for me because I think those two guys are going to give me way more immediate production. And In non-tight end premium, if he's not going to see 125 targets, if he's going to see 90 targets, He's going to struggle to produce anything, even on the level of what the wide receiver 36, 37. Like why, why would you, you're essentially the production you're going to get from Kyle Pitts in the end is probably going to be that of, I mean, I'm just off the top of my head could be Jesus. I mean, could be Terrace Marshall. I mean, like could be a guy sort of neck and neck production wise, but you're going to move so far up in the draft to select him. If it's not tight end premium, I mean, he's way back there. I, I keep seeing him like, you know, I do these these mocks. I've been telling you, like, he goes sometimes to 102 in the super flex mock, non tight end premium. I'm like, it's like, I I loved Kyle Pitts. I love him. I think he's an outstanding prospect. And I think I'll own 0.0 Kyle Pitts. You know, that's the that's the kind of the point. It's like, what the hell? You know, so I just see him going so high. I mean, I, I have met like a prospect 10 or something like that. Sure. And he'll never be there. I mean, just, I feel like people are just, plucking him everywhere and and it's the same type of thing I, I it was funny that you brought up Noah Fant I was talking about like trading Kyle Pitts or that draft slot for for Noah Fant but I'm never gonna own I'm not I just don't see him the same value I mean look maybe in a tight end premium you can you can start telling yourself he's gonna play more wide receiver he'll see maybe 100 targets as you point out but to project him uh blindly at this particular point for 120 targets or 100 plus targets is just is foolish 
Um, he he may. He's that skilled that he could. But I'm with you, man. I it just I just don't see it. I, I I've got to pump the brakes on on how high you can draft Kyle Pitts uh, in a super flex league. Doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, over the last four years, uh, 2020, 2019, 2018. There were only four tight ends each season that broke 100 targets. So over the last three years, you got four tight ends a year, and they're always the same guys, right? right? Exactly. So if you necessarily believe that that Kyle Pitts is going to go to some offense that's going to suddenly start utilizing him as a essentially a wide receiver two, you know, on this one. offense or right. one if it's right. even possible, because I mean Kelsey Kittle. Waller, those are basically yeah. the alphas in those offenses. Yep. So you have to project him to that. Yep. Good luck. I mean, even in Atlanta, he's not going to be the he's not going to be the WR one. They've got Julio and Ridley. I mean, you start thinking about where he could land. It's like, I don't know, man. It, it just doesn't feel like it's worth it. I mean, uh, I'd love to see him. I mean, how cool would it be to see him in uh, at the, with the Chargers and Herbert? But again, not the WR one. I mean, you got Keenan Allen, and you know, you got. I mean. I don't know what's going to happen there, but you know, I just don't know. It just it, it feels like too much of a projection to go spend a top five superflex pick on. I got to be out if if it's not tight end premium. Yeah, you do have to be, and it's again, it's the whole development process. It's the the whole usage level. I mean, we've seen guys that had. Inc- I mean, look at David and Joku. He was supposed to be this explosive premier pass catching talent never developed and maybe he doesn't have the 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 you know the, the IQ to play football or the drive to play football like Pitts might you know Pitts is an incredible talent and I think he certainly is confident but if you're not going to utilize to a level where you're going to see again like we talked about at least 100 targets at least that's not even fucking I wouldn't even want to start a guy on my <laughs> fantasy team that wasn't seeing over 100 targets short of like the deepest leagues for god's sakes if he's right. not even going to see 100 targets get the fuck out of here because what sense does it make even drafting him? And where you're saying 102 in yeah, I mean, yeah. non-tight end Bonkers. premium is going to catch 18 touchdowns? I don't – yeah. What, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you're literally drawn to the inside straight there. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, and, and that's coming from someone who thinks he's awesome. Like, I have no qualms. I have no issues. I'm in. Yeah. But pass at that price. Exactly right. Yeah. doesn't make any sense. I mean, I guess if you're just trying to draft good players, congratulations, he's good. But if you're trying to win dynasty leagues, it doesn't seem like the, the, the right strategy at all. Yeah. It's certainly not a tactic I would use and I absolutely respect him. But again, if there's somebody hot and heavy in your dynasty league for him, I would certainly reach out for Noah Fant. I would reach out for TJ Hawkinson, you know, yes. a multitude of these names. And if I can tack on a second round pick, for it or something like that because they're kind of a little low on a guy like Hawkinson, a little low on a guy like Fant. I can end up selecting one of these running backs or receivers that I really like in a second. Elijah Moore. If I end up with Noah Fant, Elijah Moore for Kyle Pitts <sighs> yeah. all day. Sign me up. Yeah, Sign me up. Sign me I'm up. with you 100%. Wow. I, dude, how long could we go before one of us would actually be like, uncle? No, I don't think forever, forever, dude, this was so much fun. I fucking loved it. Um, you know, I, I want to sign up already to be your fourth. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, this is this was a, a spectacular evening for me. I yeah. had a great time. Call me is what I'm saying. Uh, I will, you know, man. You got, you got my number. Reach <laughs> out. Feel free anytime. You've got it. Yeah, man. This was great. You could tell how I wanted to have him on. I mean, takes for days, dicks for picks, or picks for dicks. Yeah. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I, I got confused. It was, it was a long <laughs> pod. Um, but, yeah, just outstanding, man. Nate Liz, one of the best uh, follows on, on Twitter. And, you know, uh, you know, 
the 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 Sonic Truth uh, podcast that you do with Matt Kelly, like I said, man, you just play play that role so well. We all know uh, the the shtick there with with Matt, and and you just fall into it so well. You're just a pro, man. I absolutely love it. Loved having you on the show. Give give yourself a shout out. Tell everybody where they can find you and 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 and, and what you're up to. Appreciate it, man. Um, dude, most of my work, to be honest with you, um, I do on Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash I'm outraged. Uh, I do podcasts. I do dynasty analysis, a lot of stuff over there. I do, you know, premium work, of course, Sonic Truth podcast. You guys can find me there. And I've kind of found my way into the card game, which yeah. you've probably seen, right? That's been my big thing. Um, and I've figured out a lot of ways to really monetize it and find a way to be successful. You know, so I enjoy collecting. And at the same time, I'm, I'm able to make some good money doing it. So if people are interested in that, that's kind of been my angle as well, man. So yeah, you've definitely hit that, hit that running. And, uh, you know, if I had a free moment in my life, I might hit you up at some point and ask you how to, how to monetize it. That's right. But, um, yeah, you guys, I mean, you know, this, this podcast has been, has been growing and, and I know that my audience is probably a lot of people who already know who you are, but if for whatever reason you don't know who Nate Liss is, you gotta, you gotta follow him. I, 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 the first time I ever heard you on a pod, I was like, that dude knows what's up. Uh, really, really entertaining. And, uh, you really know your stuff and, uh, I appreciate you coming on gracing these airwaves and, uh, uh, thank you again, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Always kind words. And I'm sorry we couldn't make this happen sooner. You know the backstory, but I'm glad we made it happen. You got it, brother. All right. Thank you so much. And and for all of us at The Undroppables, for all of us at The Undrafted, including Michael, the producer, who definitely got his work in uh, this week for sure. Uh, for all of us, have a good one. Later.